Thanks for joining us today. We are excited to explore God's Word together. Uh, this morning, my lovely wife, Sarah, uh, um, co-pastor and just partner in this journey, she's incredible, uh, is going to speak to us today for, uh, for the first time in this capacity, uh, and I'm excited about this opportunity. Now, the irony is lo- not lost on me. It's Mother's Day, we cook breakfast for our moms, we make it easy, and here she is speaking on Mother's Day. So I, I get the irony in that. It was an interesting journey because... The text that we're in in Luke 10 today um, uh, was was one that we've been looking towards for for weeks now, and uh, and and while I was planning, um, God was really laying some things on Sarah's heart this week, and and it became just really evident to us that that God had uh, had had laid some things on her heart um, that that it was a perfect opportunity for her to share with the group. So we are incredibly excited to hear from God's word this morning. Sarah, we come up here and, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna pray over this. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you for a chance to gather here today. Father, we pray that you will speak this morning, that we can hear from your word, that Sarah can be a conduit um, uh, just to speak your message to us this morning. Uh, Father, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be speaking. This is kind of a new experience for me, so I'm excited and a little nervous at the same time. But Mike is right. This was, wasn't planned, and I'm kind of glad it kind of came out this week, um, so I had le- fewer days to stress over it. <laughs> but as, as we're reading through this passage, Martha and Mary, God just revealed to me, and something new to me, it may not be new to you, but it was to me, and it's pretty revolutionary. So I want to just read the passage and then, and then talk about both Martha's perspective and Mary's perspective as they both met Jesus on that same day. So let's read through Luke um, 38 through 42. It says, Jesus and his disciples were on their way. They came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations and had to, that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, and indeed only one. God has chosen what is, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What's interesting about this story, and I've read it so many times, is for me, and if you know me, you'll, you'll chuckle a little bit, I definitely relate more to Martha. I'm much more of a Martha um, than a Mary. I'm a doer. I'm a get-her-done sort of girl, and I, I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done right, and I'm going to work really hard. Um, I enjoy planning things and I enjoy making out lists. In fact, I brought to you to show you my planner. This may look like just a plain old black planner to you, but I just want you to know I spent like two hours picking this out because it was so important to me. The layout had to be just right and I had to have a place for my to-do list and had to look just right. I'm, I'm just that kind of, of person. Um, and when I make lists, I love making lists, sometimes I'll even sit down to make a list, and first I'll think of all the things I've already done that day. Ooh, I could write that down, I could write it down, make these nice little neat boxes, and then I can check it off. I feel so accomplished before I even get started 
on what I really need to do that day. So for me, I'm, I'm definitely a doer. And, and Martha, working hard in the kitchen and getting things ready for Jesus, that definitely, um, I can relate to that. But God is teaching me something new in this passage. And it's just this, that God is worth it. God is worth my time, and God is worth my energy, and God is worth being my number one thing. He's worth being my priority. And when God is worth it, and I, and I really dedicate myself to him, then there's such blessing in that relationship, and there's such depth of relationship that can be found um, found in that relationship with God. So what I want to do this morning is just kind of look at, at Martha's perspective and then look at Mary's perspective. So for Martha, for many years I was like, man, I'm more of a Martha, but Jesus, Jesus really liked what Mary did. And it kind of made me feel bad, kind of made me feel guilty um, a little bit because that's just my personality. But when you read through it, notice that, that Jesus doesn't really reprimand Martha for doing all those things. She was doing the right thing. She invited Jesus into her home. She was being a good hostess. Hospitality in that culture revolved around feeding your guests these meals and, and that's exactly what she was doing. She was being a good she was being a good hostess. She was very, very focused on her tasks at hand. She was focused on that to do list. Um, and so it's interesting that we have to ask the question, well, why then does it seem like Mary is praised? And, and she's almost, I wouldn't say reprimanded, but, but she's told, you know what, she's, she's made the better choice. There's something to be, to be learned there. Um, I feel like in the past when I've looked at this and I felt a little bit, uh, a little guilt, a little frustration because I'm more of a Martha than a Mary, I feel like I've, I've kind of bought into this, this implication that... Um, that working hard and being busy is somehow wrong. And so I need, to, I need to be more of the Mary. But at the same time in my life, gosh, I have to work hard. You have to get things accomplished. It's like this catch-22. It's like, well, where's, what's, what's that thing? What, what, what is it that Jesus is really getting at here? Um, I don't think that working hard and being busy and feeding Jesus and welcoming him into your home, I don't think any of those things are wrong. That's not where, where Martha made her mistake. I think the problem was when her busyness prevented her from listening to Jesus. So when her busyness, when all the good things that she was doing prevented her from sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and listening to him. It's interesting when you start talking about busyness, it's a hot topic in our society because we all talk about it probably every day. How you doing? Oh, I've been so busy. We've been so full. And, and our life is full of wonderful things, you know, be it running the kids around to all these different things or be it work, um, be it doing stuff around the house, the household stuff that just never ends, um, or be it just all our fun electronic devices that we're constantly in front of. Our lives are very are very busy and very full. Um, we're often multitasking. 
And since Mother's Day, we'll talk specifically about moms. I think moms are really good at this. It's almost like a survival skill. You have to, you have to multitask. I have a picture here of a mom um, that I really thought was humorous. She's feeding herself and feeding her baby and, and doing work at the same time, looking at her phone, and all this is just kind of life. It just happens, happens um, all at the same time. Often it's our... It's our busyness that defines whether or not we're successful in our culture. It's like, well, do you have your kids in all these different things? Or do you, are you doing this with this group? And are you, are you, are you volunteering here? And, and those are all good things. But often it's, if we're busy, then we feel like we're successful. And yet, on the flip side of that, there's also a lot of talk about, gosh, life is crazy. I just need to find more balance. I need, uh, I need a more balanced um, life. And there's a lot of businesses out there that even market to that. Oh, if you get this app, then it'll cut your shopping time in half because you'll be so organized. Or if you do this. Um, and then you hear a lot of people say, well, I got to work hard now. I know it's crazy. I'll work hard now. But when I retire, then I'll be able to relax. So I don't, I can't find balance now. But when I retire, then I can, I can do that. Or, you know, I talk a lot to moms because I'm a mom. Whatever phase their kid is in, once we get through the no sleep infant phase, or once we get through the, the screaming toddler phase, or once we get through that teenager phase, sorry teens, sometimes moms say that, you know, then we'll be able to, to attain some sort of balance. And I think we have something to learn in this passage. Because I don't think, though maybe we do need to cut back on some of the things that we're doing, I don't think attaining balance in life Um, is solely based on how busy we are. It's not just about how many things you have on your to-do list. It's a lot more than that. And so we have something to learn from Mary. Jesus says that Mary, at that moment, she was choosing the better option of the two. I want to reread this story, and this time in a different version, in the message. And the message is a paraphrase of the Bible. And so it was written kind of everyday language, and the man who, who wrote it um, kind of added some of his own little analogies and phrases to it. It's just, it's just kind of interesting, and I really like what he did with the story on this one. He says, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in and interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only, by the way, that's not a good thing to say to moms, okay? So, yeah. Here's what I really liked, what he said. He says, one thing only is essential. Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. I find that very, I just like some of the phrases he uses in here. He says, Mary sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. And I envision her just putting everything down, her eyes fixed on Jesus, not multitasking, not looking at him while she's doing something, but just stopping everything, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in awe listening to him and taking to heart 
what he had to say. She was hanging on his every word. The message says that Jesus, uh, the Bible says that Jesus said she's chosen what is better. And then in the message, the paraphrase is, she has chosen the main course. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, when, you, when you go out to eat, the main course is the star of the show. That's, that's the star of the meal. That's the part of the meal that you spend the most time cooking. That's the part of the meal that's usually the filling part. That's the part that usually has the protein in it, gives you energy. Um, it's the part that takes the longest to cook. And I don't know about you, but I've been to restaurants before, and, and I've looked over the menu, and I'm pretty indecisive, so I drool over all the different options, and finally, I pick one. I'm like, I'm going to have this, and it's going to be awesome. And the server comes, and I order it, and then the server comes back and brings with them a little plate of oil and vinegar and warm, fresh bread. It's like just to munch on before the main course. And I love love bread. Like, that's my thing. And so I start eating the bread, and I start dipping it, and I eat, and I eat until that basket is empty. And by the time the main course comes, I'm like, oh yeah, not, not really hungry, but, but I'll have a little bit of it. I'll box it home to eat it later, save that for later. But right now, I'm pretty satisfied. And so when I thought about that, and I thought about his words, that she has chosen the main course, that's really what Martha was doing. That was really her, where she missed the mark. That she was choosing the little things, little appetizers. And in the end, she was missing out on Jesus because she didn't intentionally choose to give him the place of honor with her time and her energy and her priorities. Mary, on the other hand, realized the grandeur of that moment. Um, The Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior had come to her house, and she was going to drop everything, and she was going to listen and sit at his feet. So then the question for us is, so who is Jesus calling us to be? What are we to do with this? Um, There's a book that I read once, and I thought the title was very clever. Um, It said, uh, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. So it's like, we want to be like Mary, but we know we have to get everything done, and we live in a Martha world. So how do we, how do we balance that? How do we do that? Is that even possible? I wonder what our faith would look like um, if, if we were more like Mary at times. And, and then I wonder what would it look like if we are Martha to have our eyes totally fixed on Jesus and not just try to kind of add him in when we have time. So who is Jesus calling us to be? I don't think it's an either-or sort of question. I don't think it's a you're either a Mary or you're, you're a Martha. The Bible says there's a time for everything. Unfortunately, there is a time to do dishes. There is a time to do laundry. Um, but there's also a time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Our lives are often defined by what we do, by how we spend our time. And our lives need to be defined by Jesus, need to be defined by, I am a follower of Jesus. That is who I am, and that is um, what I do. What, What this passage is challenging me, and what I'd like to challenge us all to, is to give Jesus the place of honor in our lives, to allow him to be the most important thing, the thing that everything else revolves around that. 
So at times, we'll be just like Mary, and we'll really need to drop everything and not do anything else and just sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and, and that may look different in, in different people's lives. And part of that may be just coming to church, giving up that Sunday morning to come to church and, and to hear. Uh, part of that may be just, you know, after a hard day's work and you're drained and you're grumpy. At least that's what happens to me after I'm drained and grumpy and just go in your room, close the door, and, and for a few minutes just get on your knees and pray and explain to God how you're feeling and ask for, for his spirit to, to move in you and to change you. Maybe it's a worship song. Maybe it's taking some time, you know, to quietly listen to a worship song and really reflect on that. Or maybe it's going for a walk, um, maybe doing some prayer. So it can look different. It, we don't, unfortunately, we don't have Jesus in our living room where we can actually sit at his feet. But it's definitely important for us to take some time and honor Jesus with, with our time and our energy. At other times, um, I would say most of the time, life is happening. And it's busy, and it's crazy. And so how do we make sure that Jesus is the central part of our life there? Um, we need, we need, I need to figure that out, because <laughs> that, that's what I'm working on right now, in the crazies, in the craziness. So I love a passage from Deuteronomy. I won't read it fully, but I'll just tell you about it. It's, it's, a pas- it's one of the passages that Micah talked about last week. It says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Um, and... The Israelites were given this command, and then they were told to impress these commands on your children. Talk about them when you sit down. Talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them uh, when you lie down, uh, when you get up. Write them down and tie them, symbols around your, your, your wrists and around your neck. Wherever you go, write them on your houses. Remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And reflecting on that, God was really wanting the Israelites to have that truth just ingrained in them, to be that that is who they are, that that was part of their identity. And so I feel like we can learn from that, for it to be ingrained in us that Jesus is central and who I am is a follower of Jesus, and then everything else revolves around that. Now, it's not lost on me that you may be thinking, well, wait a second, are you asking us to multitask? <laughs> because then we just talk about multitasking and everything being crazy and don't just multitask God. And how is this different from that? Because I still have to go to work, still have to cook. Um, so it's more than just, this is different than multitasking. So when I think of multitasking in my mind, when I go to work, I'm very focused on work. Again, that doer in me. And so I'm working and then all the other little things kind of come around. I fit them in. I multitask to get them in. And, and what I feel like God is revealing to me in my life that I need to remember that first and foremost in the center is Jesus. That is always who I am. So I'm always, my purpose is always to glorify God, to spread the good news, and to love people. Like that is always my purpose that is, as a follower of Jesus. That is every day this, my center. And then I multitask all the other little things. I don't do all the other things and multitask God in. I do God, and then I multitask to get all the other little things in. Our mission is to love God, to love people, and to inspire followers. And if, if we change our thinking and our mindset to know that that is the most important, then it will really change how we, how we respond to things. It will really change how our outlook on, 
on life. Jesus deserves that place of honor in my life, and he deserves that place of honor in your life. He's worthy to be our number one thing. He's worthy of our time and our energy and our priorities. In fact, he died to forgive us, and he gave up everything to give us hope. And so, I mean, he is definitely worthy. And the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is that, that Jesus came to give us life, and to give us life to the full. Um, in John, John 10, it says that Jesus came so that we may have, you may have life, and you have, may have life to the fullest. Um, in Galatians 5, it talks about the Holy Spirit living in us. And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, it produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's waiting to just pour out his blessings on us. But we have to we have to go there. We have to we have to allow him to be our number one thing. I don't know what life is throwing at you right now, what your circumstances are, but I'm guessing all of us are pretty busy. And I'm guessing there's probably some things in each of our lives that are taking our focus off of Jesus or preventing, even if they're good things, they're preventing us from uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus and making him the number one thing. So this week, um, my challenge is to remember that God is worth it. And we need to sit at his feet sometime this week, whatever it looks like, sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. Give him that time, give him that energy, give him that priority. And the beautiful thing is, he's already done this for us. Like we go to him and say, you're worth it. I'm going to give you, give you my life, give you my time, my energy. Well, Jesus said to us, hey, you're worth it. You're worth my time. You're worth my energy. You're worth my priority. In fact, you're worth my very life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave everything because he loves us so much. And he wants that relationship with us. He wants us to listen. So let's make him, let's sit at his feet. And, and as we sit at his feet, I feel like that's where um, our relationship deepens. And when our relationship deepens with God, then it becomes a lot easier in the craziness of life to make him the central thing, to always remember that I am defined by Jesus. I am defined as a follower of Jesus, and he, he loves me. So your challenge this week, find a time to sit at the feet of Jesus, and there is such great reward in that. You will find such great reward. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sarah, so much for that beautiful thing. She speaks of um, Jesus deserving that place of priority in, in our lives, that as followers of Jesus, it is our passion to love God, to love people, and to inspire others to come to know the relationship at, and, and hope. And Sarah uh, spoke so beautifully on the subject, but did anyone else have that motive, moment where as we were thinking of busyness in life, you thought of something you'd forgotten to do and like made a mental note of something else we have to do this? I had that moment while we were sitting here. Because we do live such 
busy lives. But thank you so much for the reminder that, that sitting at the feet of Jesus is just a blessing and opportunity that we have at our disposal at any moment, um, that, that Jesus can be invited into every aspect of life and, um, and that we can live uh, realizing him as a priority, even when life is busy. Beautiful stuff. Thank you so much for that. You know, just to ensure that we've had time today to really reflect on what it, what it is to sit at the feet of Jesus, right? How easy would it be just to walk out the door right now and get on with life and it gets busy again? We, we chose today to save our communion for the end. Guys, if you'll come up and go ahead and start playing for us. Um, will, will they uh, play a song for us? Um, you're welcome to sing along. You're welcome to just reflect on the beauty um, of Jesus in our lives, the hope that we found in him. As we take communion, we take the bread and we remember uh, his body that was was broken. And, and we'll take that bread and we'll dip it in the grape juice, remembering um, blood that was shed and, and hope that was found um, in, in Jesus' sacrifice. If you'd like to take communion this morning, uh, you're welcome to do that um, uh, during the course of this song. Take a few moments here just to reflect, to sit at the feet of Jesus while we sing together, while we share in communion, while we, while we remember uh, the hope and the blessing that we found in Jesus.